Good morning. Thank you for your kind words of welcome. It's great to be back here. You always feel welcome at the welcome, and that joke never gets old. Unless you're my father, you get old of every day. Sorry, Dad, I just saw an opening there. I just had to give one liner in. Sorry, kids, honour your mother and father. Um, but it doesn't mean you can have a bit of fun with them. Um, if you have your Bible, will you turn with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, the 13th chapter. The 13th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew will be reading from verses 47 to 52. But please keep your Bible open as we'll refer to the passage throughout the service. Matthew chapter 13, verses 47 to 52. And I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth and separate the wicked from among the just and cast them into a fiery furnace. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said to them, that is the disciples, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he said to them, Therefore, every scribe concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out his treasure, things new and old. And God always blesses his reading of his precious word. Can we pray before we begin to delve deep into this chapter? Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, I just thank you for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, I thank you for this congregation. Lord, we pray for Brother Andy, Lord. And I pray that you would touch him by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray for the congregation that's before me. Lord, I don't know what they're all going through, but you do. So, Lord, I pray that you'll draw us in close to yourself, that you would just minister unto each heart. Bless those who are listening online and watching online too. And I pray, Lord, that your name be high and lifted up. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Chapter 13 of Matthew's Gospel is a chapter filled with parables. To be precise, there are seven parables. And the reading that we have just read this morning is the last parable. Now, before we begin, what is a parable? Well, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. That's a simple way to remember it. Parables generally teach one main point or principle. We can get into trouble by expecting that we might be... Uh, developing all sorts of theology but a parable is not an allegory an allegory is a story in which every possible detail has an inner meaning but an allegory has to be read and studied but a parable is to be heard we must be very careful not to make allegories of parables we must let these parables dwell deep within our hearts and resonate deep within our minds in our walks with God I was deeply convicted by a commentator reading on this passage he says ministers of the gospel should not be novices 1 Timothy 3 6 
raw and ignorant men, but men mighty in the scriptures, well acquainted with the writings of the Old and New Testament, and the sense of them, men that have a stock of spiritual knowledge, and able ready to speak a word to the weary, and speak to men and women's particular cases and questions. This morning I plan to bring a different word, but as I sought the Lord these past couple of weeks, the Lord drew this parable onto my heart to this congregation. I had a message all planned, ready in advance, but as the days came forth, this parable was brought to my heart, and I pray that will bless and encourage, convict and move among you this morning. But before we understand our reading, I would like to draw your attention to the previous parable, which is found in verses 45 and 46. It is a parable of the pearl of great price. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and saw all that he had and bought it. Again, this particular word, again, is mentioned three times. Christ is emphasizing the kingdom of heaven. In these two verses, he talked about the parable of the hidden treasure, but now he is talking about the parable of the great pearl, of great price. Now, there's an ancient story of Cleopatra. The fact that the opening of a new pearl market was one alleged motive which led Emperor Claudius to invade Britain and indications of value that were set on the goodly pearls of the parable. Such a merchant would seek such beautiful pearls from the Persian Gulf to the Indian Ocean and they fished among Capernaum. The parable has a spiritual meaning because they searched, they searched for something that's beautiful. That's this pearl. And in our lives, aren't we searching for what is beautiful? There is nothing wrong in the having desires. A good job, a good home, that's beautiful. C.S. Lewis says this, but if I find in myself something in which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical conclusion is, I was made for another world. We are called to live for more. The Apostle Paul writing in Philippians 3, it says, all things but for loss, for the excellency excellency sorry of the knowledge of Christ Jesus our Lord think about Paul the great education the opportunities he had all that he wanted more of Jesus that's what he wanted the communion the closeness with Jesus Christ what is the heart of the gospel in the gospel people were drawn to Jesus of Nazareth because they realized he can transform their lives is there someone here this morning and your life is, a, is but a mess? You feel like you have messed up beyond all hope? Christ can transform your life. Christ can give you a new meaning and a new hope. That is the power of the gospel. It's all of him and not of us. As thou read, it is by grace you've been saved and not of yourselves, lest any man should boast. It is all of him. Before I began my studies at Bible College, a lady came to me and said to me, you know, you're still working out your salvation. In my head, I'm going, no, my salvation was worked out on the cross. When I put my life 
or when I yielded my life to Christ, everything was worked out. Everything was paid full. All I did was confess with my mouth and believe in my heart and repent of my sins and turn to him. I didn't do everything. He did everything. He changed me. My life is forever in his hands and your life can be in your hands. The pearl in this parable represents the church also and it always grows gradually. And that's our Christian walk. It doesn't matter if you've been saved a couple of weeks or you've been saved 50 odd years, you're still growing, ever changing, ever seeking, going to that state of perfection that is found in Christ and Christ alone. C.S. Lewis said, A Christian is not a man who never goes wrong, but a man is enabled to repent and pick himself up, beginning over again after each stumble, because the Christ life is inside him, repairing him all the time. If you stumbled this week, get up, keep going. Get up if you fall again. Keep going like a child learning to walk. Keep going. And ask God to forgive you and wash you afresh by the power of your Holy of the Holy Spirit. One of my favorite commentators said this about the pearl. To the ancient peoples, as we have just heard, a pearl was the loveliest of all possession. That means that the kingdom of heaven is the loveliest thing in the world. How is it lovely? The kingdom of heaven is mentioned so much in this parable. There's so many debates on what the kingdom of heaven will look like and be. But let me tell you what is important about the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is there. And he is lovely. And that's all that matters. Our earthly imaginations cannot comprehend the beauty of the kingdom of heaven. We have an idea of what it could be. But when we see the kingdom of heaven... We will see Jesus. And as the Apostle John says, as he is. What a beautiful, beautiful day that will be. The question I want to ask you is, will you come into this kingdom of heaven? And this is what we'll look at in this parable. And I said this by way of a short introduction. And I realize now I need to shorten my introductions because I got so engrossed in this text. Verse 47, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathers some of every kind. Now, what is a dragnet? It's a huge net which loads of people would have needed to help draw in. It was a huge net. And my dad was telling me how he did a, 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 a assemblies when he was a, a teacher and how he would use a parachute or a hanky to explain this. Just imagine a huge net. I know there's a few kids here. Just imagine a big fishing net with loads of people casting it out into the boat and dragging it through and dragging it to the shore. Okay? The gospel is compared to a net dragging along the bottom of the lake collecting all the good and the bad. And I was tempted to put and the ugly out like clip nicely, but that's no offence to anyone here. The gospel may may be expected to do the same but in the end of the world when the net is drawn in that the bad will be separated from the good the one be cast away and the other saved which category do you fall into we'll find out as we go through this message the disciple would have been familiar with this imagery this imagery of the nets for if you can recall in Matthew chapter 4, the calling of disciples, they left their nets. They left all they knew to follow Christ. 
One commentator, Jason Foster Brown, says the far-reaching efficacy of the gospel is thus denoted. This gospel net gathered every kind, meaning every variety of character. And there are many, many characters in the church this morning. You're looking at a character right here, filled with bad jokes. <laughs> but if I draw your attention to the scriptures, there's one character I would like to draw your attention to. It is the Apostle Peter. Do you remember when Christ called him? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, thou art Peter, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail. And later this mighty man would say, I would never deny you, my Lord, would deny him three times, and the third time, using a big, loud, foul mouth, cursing at the servant girl who knew who Peter was because she was the cousin of Malchus, whom he cut off his ear because he did things in haste and in temper. Sound like many of us, doesn't we? The, the characters in the Bible are the same of us, not the same temperament. But he went out and he wept bitterly as the rooster crowed. And Christ looked at him and he looked at Christ. I just, I try to imagine that in my mind, how Peter felt. Because it came to pass and he denied him three times. And Peter walked and he wept out bitterly. And he went back to the fishing net. But guess what? There is no one beyond redemption. For Christ restored Peter. Peter denied him three times. Christ restored him threefold. And if you've denied the Lord, or if you've made mistakes, guess what? Christ can restore you this morning. All you need to do is call to him and ask him. Verse 48. Which, when it was full, that is the net, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but threw the bad away. When the net w was filled, they drew to shore. They drew to shore, which will be done. It has to be done. For when a net is filled, it has to be brought to shore. And there is a day coming that Christ will come. He will send his angels. The net will be drawn in. And the good and the bad will be separated. As we look to this world, we're coming closer and closer to his coming. The net will be drawn to shore. The preaching of the gospel will cease, and no more use be made of it. And they will sat down, and the ministers of the word, having done their work, enter into the joy of their Lord and rest from their labours. As, Jill, as Gill's commentary notes for every minister there will be a day of rest but until then to the man and woman serving Christ in whatever capacity whether it be a children's work Sunday school work kids reach, pastor, elder or deacon the drawing to the shore is coming do not lose heart keep sowing seeds keep telling the truth of the gospel keep praying for the people that you're investing in for if you cast your bread upon the waters, it will return unto you after many days. Keep sowing. Keep serving. Benjamin Keck notes how hard the fisherman's job is. And it is a hard job for a fisherman back in the Bible days. And it still is to this day. So too is the call of the disciple. It's a hard and tough work. There are times you want to throw in the tile. I'm out. I've been like that. 
Never lose heart. Never lose hope. Keep going. Keep pursuing. Keep serving. And remember, Peter, when I mentioned earlier in the passage, he cast out a big net in the Bible. Where did he do that, Michael? Read Acts chapter 2 and Solomon's porch where he preached this wonderful sermon. And he said this, This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore exulting to the right hand of God, and have received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out what you now see in here, the day of Pentecost, the day when all nations, the devout men of every nation, do you remember the parable of every kind? Peter cast out a great net. And the gospel began to spread and multiply and grow and flourish. And he says this in Acts chapter 2 in his sermon, verses 21. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he says, men of Israel, hear these words. Men and women of Cambria Street, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst as yourselves also know him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God you have taken by lawless hands having crucified to put to death whom God raised up having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be yielded by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also rest in hope. Rest in the hope of the finished work this morning, for you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you see your holy one to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You have made me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David. He is both dead and buried and is a tomb with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him that, be, that to be a fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. God always keeps his word. He raised up a Messiah. He raised up a deliverer to rescue us from our sin. David Livingston said, God is a missionary and he sent his son and he was a missionary he came to seek and to save that which was lost so let's return back to Matthew chapter 13 the good vessels before I begin to explain the two the good and the bad I want to look at the word vessels in Greek it is the same word used in Matthew chapter 25 verse 4 and it's only mentioned twice in our New Testament is mentioned in the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Matthew 25, 4. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. Do you let the Holy Spirit dwell within your vessel? Your vessel is your heart, your soul. I'm so glad that in modern worship songs, the word vessel is returning. There's one worship song which I would love to read to you. You take our failure. You take our weakness. You set your treasure in jars of clay. So take this heart, Lord. I'll be your vessel. The world to see your life in me. And it uses that chorus. 
amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I am found, was blind, but now I see. Isn't that beautiful? That is the God we serve. Now in this verse, which is verse 48, it talks about the good and the bad. Now the word good in Greek means beautiful. And it's also mentioned in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7, verse 17. Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. And the word bad means foul, rotten, and worthless. Which one do you fit into? Is your life good and pleasing to the Lord? I don't mean you're perfect all the time because there is no one perfect but Christ. Or is vile? Are you filled with bitterness, envy, jealousy, rage? What category do you fill in, fall, fall into? Sorry, one or the other. One commentator notes the corresponding to the tares, the wheat and the tares. How do you, sell, how do you separate the wheat and the tares? They both look alike, don't they? How do you separate them? It's quite simple. You lift them up. And you throw them in the air and the wheat falls and the tares blow away which one are you? now coming back to the vessels if your vessel has something rotten in it or it's a bit marred if your heart is marred or broken guess what you can be cleaned up and restored and made new in Christ and in Christ alone Verse 49. So it will be at the end of the age. Let me get a drink. It's quite warm up here. The angels will come forth. Separate the wicked from among the just. Our saviour never fails to keep before us our minds. This great truth and promise that there will be a day. A day of judgment. There will be a separation of the good and evil. And in this province, we have witnessed many atrocities. Too many to name. And so many to count. But there will be a day coming that the righteous judge who will see all things will come and rain judgment to the righteous. And perhaps here you have been wronged or a family member has been wronged and never saw justice in the dark history of our province. God will bring justice. But until then, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who have done wrong to you. Pray that God would touch their heart. It is not easy. Gordon Wilson said to the men who killed his daughters in the Eskimo bomb, I will pray for these men tonight and every night. And he did so every day. Every day. Verse 50. And casting them into the furnace of fire, there will be willing and gnashing of teeth the furnace of the fire the Greek word for furnace is the same word used in Jan Daniel chapter 3 verse 6 remember story of Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego they were cast into this furnace because they would not bow to the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar the intense heat but yet they were not burned but there is a day coming where the good and the evil shall be separated 
and evil shall be cast into this fiery furnace and this is a fact that there's a heaven to gain and the hell to shun there's a commentator writes about this hellfire or sometimes called a lake which burns with fire and brimstone which will be intolerable and it talks about wailing and gnashing of teeth which symbolises remorse and regret of conscience the tortures of mind the sensible and expressible pain and punishment the wicked shall feel and the furious rage and despair that is the reality there is a heaven to gain and the hell to shun but Michael I'm a good man you might be good in this world but are you good to Christ does the righteousness of Christ dwell in you let me ask you a question have you ever lied have you ever cheated well God sees you as a liar and a cheater he doesn't see the good works you've done even our good deeds are like filthy rags in his presence we are saved by him if it's the gift of God by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourselves where do you fit this morning in this dragnet when it comes to shore when separation comes where will you stand verse 51 Jesus said to them have you understood all these things they said to him yes Lord I just love when children make noises out of the mouth of babes have you ordained praise it's okay I love it I love it they said yes Lord all the parables Christ had delivered all of them there's seven of them and he had to explain two of them in detail the parable of the sores and the wheat and the tares remember if you read this in Matthew chapter 13 he had to explain two of them because it's important he talked about the mustard seed the leavened bread the treasure in the hit in the field the pearl of great price and the net which is cast in the sea Christ is putting the question to his disciples have you understood these things do you understand these things this morning church do you understand these things that there is a day coming and people fear this day and if you're not right with God then you should and how you get rid of this fear is you get right with God but this is a day I look forward to because also the kingdom of heaven is like a wedding banquet two friends of mine are getting married and I got a letter or an invitation through the post I save the date so I know when they're getting married I don't know the time I don't know the place maybe they've told me and I've forgotten which is a possibility because I have a head like a sieve my family and my girlfriend would tell you that but there is a day coming and we will meet him and we will see him there is a heaven to gain and the hell to shun as the old evangelical preachers would say many years ago they said yes Lord and the affirmative and the positive they understood this can you say yes Lord this morning yes Lord I belong to you yes Lord you are mine yes Lord I am born again yes Lord I am a Christian yes Lord I will serve you can you say that this morning do you believe that this morning Professor Brian Cox who is a scientist he described themselves as an angry atheist, angry atheist says I cannot say there is no God look around you look at the detail around you 
there's a great designer. There's a great God who wants to have a personal relationship through to you, and it's through Jesus Christ. Can you say, can you know that you belong to him? How can I be sure that I am saved? How can I be sure, Michael? It's beautiful. There's no big religious ceremony. It is what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 10, verses 9 to 13. This is what the Bible says. That if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the death, you will save. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will be not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Verse 52. And we're drawing to a close. Then he said to him, to them, sorry, Therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a household who brings out his treasures, things new and old. What is the master saying as he draws this parable to a close? Permit me to make two penultimate observations of this closing verse as we draw to a close. The scribes who discovered the truth. The scribes are the people who discovered the truth. When I found Jesus, I found the truth. And the truth set me free. And because of that, I preached the good news of the gospel. This was my truth. I was a broken man. And now I tell about the Son of Man who made me whole. And that is my mission. To tell about the Son of Man who makes lives whole and does more than that, makes them brand new. The scribes began as a noble group under the leadership of Ezra, you read in the New Testament. Their purpose was to preserve the law, to study the law, and to apply it. But also they were doers of the word. The church were doers of the word in James 1.22. And also scribes are called to protect the truth. And in this age we'll be forced and we are forced to compromise our beliefs. We will stand firm for what we believe in. We will speak the truth but in love. And as Christians we need to be careful of our tongue. The tongue is the most powerful weapon. It has the power to give life and also to take life. So when we stand for our faith, when you stand for your faith, speak the truth, but speak it in love. There you'll see hearts transformed by the love of God. Every scribe is like a householder. Every pastor, every preacher is responsible for the house in which he has been given by the Lord. So as your pastor is on his holidays I bumped into him in Costa I tried to prank him but that was an epic fail because somebody looked straight at me I'll get him back one day I will sorry Jonathan if you're watching this or hearing this but pray for Pastor Jonathan pray for every pastor and minister of the gospel who preaches the book and the born again experience and the blood of Christ to redeem sins pray for them a commentator writes this a household or family under his care. He has a great responsibility. 
as the ministers of the gospel have and which is the church of God called the household of God the household of faith a spiritual house a family consisting of fathers young men children women young and old you are part of a family look around you these are your brothers and sisters in Christ if one's not doing well you look after them you pray for them you help them out love them encourage them look after them the minister of the gospel are stewards under the under Christ they provide the spiritual food and sometimes even the physical food and protect it and defend it all of which requires large gifts and abilities great love and affection both to Christ and to his people with much wisdom prudence and knowledge and great faithfulness and integrity and courage and firmness of mind and that is Johnny Clark right there am I right? so next when the Sunday he returns give him a big hug and continue to encourage him pray for his family pray that the Lord will refresh him give him power to do his work give him direction where he needs it and where God would lead this church in the future will you promise me that this morning? thank you The word treasure in our in our in the last verse out of his treasure it says this the word treasure means a place of deposit not for money merely but for anything for the comfort of a family. Christ says where your treasure is, there your heart will be. What is your treasure? New and old. New principles and insights are new principles and insights are based on old principles. That's what Warren Wearsby once said, and I love Warren Wearsby. He went to be of the Lord a few months ago. We need both the old and the new. What's the best commentary on the New Testament? It's not a Matthew Henry. It's the Old Testament because you see Christ in it, and you see how Christ fits the Old Testament. Isaiah fifty-three: A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray, every one to his own way. But the Lord has led on him the iniquity of us all. And as we proclaim the good news, as we cast out the net, maybe remember this. It is with Christ and with Christ alone, who is the captain of our ship. The captain of our salvation, as my great uncle used to remind me. He's 96 now. He is the captain of my salvation. He is my anchor when the storms of life come. He is my everything, and without him I am nothing. He's brought me from the old and into the new. Into the new. And there's a song I used to sing in primary school, and many of you might know it. One more step around the world I go. One more step around the world I go. From the old things to the new. Keep me travelling along with you we are coming to the shore are you part of the good or part of the bad let's pray
is there someone here and you do not know the Lord and perhaps you want to be part of this family but more importantly you want to know Christ you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ or if there's someone here and you've backslidden and you've fallen away guess what you can come to him this morning you can find hope for your soul you can find meaning and purpose and you can find life in abundance if that is you this morning while everyone is praying and every Christian is praying for you if you want to be saved if you want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ will you just raise up your hand and I'll see it and I'll pray for you if there be one this morning or perhaps you've fallen away from the faith and you've made a mess and you wonder if God could ever use you again look at the story of Peter how God restored Peter if there is one you just raise your hand I'll see it and I'll pray for you okay I'll leave that issue with you we're just going to pray before we sing our closing worship Heavenly Father I pray that your word will find a deep lodging place in our heart May we remember that there is a day coming which you'll separate the good from the bad. And I pray, Lord, that you will encourage your people, strengthen your people, bless the pastor as he's away on holiday. Bless this congregation in the days ahead. And may they continue to seek you. May we all continue to seek you, the author and perfecter of our faith. For we ask it 